Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. You might notice that this is a slightly different backdrop to my usual. Not in the studio today. I've come home early to, to try and get some uh, work done, including on this playroom that we've built for the boys. And my wife has done an incredible job of this paint job with some mountains and stuff. And so I thought if I'm going to be in here rather than a building site, you might as well see this lovely mural she's done. Hope you're all good. Thanks for your participation, particularly yesterday. What a fascinating discussion we had about CPD protected time, etc. inspired by Martin Billings. And I think that will continue and the responsibility as to how to, who, who's responsible for your own education and development. It's such a fascinating conversation and definitely flows into today's show, which is with a good friend of mine now. And it's been a great privilege in 2020 to get to know this lady better. Paula Clayton, who's someone whose name just feels like it's across so many different things, particularly in the CPD game. And it was just one of the conversations I wanted to have with her publicly was about the various different ways in which she engages with her audience and expands her ideas and how she refines her own education as well. So I'm glad we've been able to get this together and hopefully the signal holds up, both with me being at home and Paula being at home means that it could well be a bit glitchy and apologies if so, but do let me know as ever if you can hear me okay. Um, Rob Tyre's noticed that I've got a fresh barnet. He's just not been paying attention to the last week or so, has he? But uh, no, this is the usual trim, Rob, the quarterly haircut. But uh, as ever, main comments are certainly, uh, are certainly about the hair. Let me see if we can slide. Well, let's click a few buttons and bring in Paula. Hi guys. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's clear as clear as third day. Lovely. Right. Well, I've just noticed that Tom Whitehouse has asked a question that's probably worth me sharing with all of you. He said, any way to watch these back at a later time? There's always on when I'm at work. And by the time I get off the ward to have a look, it's over. Yes, Tom, absolutely. So wherever this gets cast live, which is Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Twitch, I'm missing one periscope. All of the places it is, it also then leaves a copy. And so you can go and visit that after the fact. If you want to listen to the audio on your commutes rather than video, it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, that sort of thing. So, yes, if you look for Tune It Over, you can find it wherever you like, be that live or, or after. So uh, thanks, Tom. Hope you, hope you find it. Uh, Rob's then apologized for his comments over the hair. He knows how sensitive I am for that. Not. But, yeah, main <laughs> comments. Right, anyway, enough about the hair. Let's close these comments off and get stuck into a chat with Paula. Uh, for those that don't know you, Paula, which probably is only a few, but tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background briefly, if you would. Okay, yeah. So very briefly, um, I've uh, got a background of over 20 years, almost 25 years in elite sport. Uh, started off working in premiership football, then into the EIS, English Institute of Sport, and then uh, fully assigned to British Athletics through uh, the EIS. Um, so have been really fortunate to basically travel the globe with um, them lot and do countless world European championships and three Olympics, which has been awesome. Um, and of course, you know, it's given me the opportunity to work in uh, alongside some fantastic people, which again is how I've learned some of the things I've learned with the you know, sports doctors, physios, etc. Can you hear me? Paula, but I lost you for a little bit. But, okay, uh, I'll carry on talking anyway. Yeah, um, no, you carry on. Yeah, sports doctors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you know, been really fortunate to work alongside some fantastic teams and some uh, 
really not so fantastic team. So I'm sure that's a discussion for another time. Um, and what can work within a, an excellent, um, you know, kind of performance team and what can't. Um, so yes, yeah, so that that's basically my background. I, uh, I, I have a couple of um, sports injury clinics and I'm also an advanced clinical specialist and work in a private hospital, actually uh, BMI, and um, yeah, hoping to head up a sports injury clinic with them at some stage soon, which should have happened if we hadn't gone straight into lockdown. Uh, so that's kind of put on hold. <laughs> so okay. uh, that, that, that's the plan for hopefully next year. Well, yeah, and that and that's um, that varied uh, varied amount of work that you do both clinically and then it, you know similar variety of things that you do terms of sharing educational resources that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is that you do that without seeming to spread yourself too thinly um in such a way that that I, I wanted to get stuck in really to the ways in which you've come to share uh share your knowledge um and so you are an author of how many books now three three books and so one of the things I've noticed is that those that write books typically don't give lectures those that run courses don't don't do you know it's like there's maybe two out of five mechanisms that people do or that the authors aren't typically involved in organizations and associations and so it, but it just feels like you're across all of those things and you clearly think that each of them adds value so how do you decide how to spend your personal and professional time trying to raise standards and make your arguments i'm a I'm a person that um, I don't think I know what I think until I've written it down and I've read it back. Uh, and I've learned that. I've learned that over time. And and I, I'm a person that likes to be, I like to watch many, many, read many things, get involved in many things and learn from other people because I'm open to being um being challenged about what I might think so that I can go back and reflect on it and think, hmm that's that's a really good point there and and maybe change my practice and I guess over the time over the years it's kind of been funneled so back here it was like oh I should be doing it this way and oh I should be doing it that way and now now it's kind of like it you know I, I can become really focused um I guess I started to write because it I I began to do some I began to teach NGBs and um and in premiership football and going straight into their medical teams and it was always kind of a suggestion well it would be awesome if this was all put into into a book if you like and, and my first book SIJ was um because that was the most sought after course by pretty much every NGB that I I've taught in and any every premiership football that I've taught in and amongst others and so I thought well I'll put that together and then my my point is there was never anything out there that had everything in one place it's like you can go here for anatomy you can go here for manual therapy you can go here for the research you can go here for the testing and I just thought it needs to be under one roof so to make it easier for somebody to access um, and obviously you can't back the manual therapy in in the books but what you can do is back all the research and then justify why you're using that manual therapy which is what I try to do and then I do the same thing when I'm teaching it's never it's never kind of treat this learn this technique because you could teach a 12 year old a technique but what they need to know is why they're using that and when they might bring it in and I think that was really key to me to to make sure people had that massive underpinning knowledge and could bring those puzzle pieces in together to why they might or might not select a certain uh, bit of manual therapy or a certain rehab um, exercise for example um, and I, I also write to express things and to try to understand things and also to try to remember things. So selfishly, it helps me kind of um, 
kind of focus in and keep things into my memory, uh, which is never the, I don't have the best memory in the world. I do have to write everything down and always have. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to things like that, uh, you know, how do I choose how, how it goes across to people? I think people approach and it depends on whether it's, uh, you know, whether I think that that fits into the way I want, I want it to go out and what kind of question I'm trying to answer. Um, mm. The most, you know, it, yeah. I think I've answered the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think um, one, one of the things that I want to ask the live audience as you're listening in, uh, so put, please put the comments in wherever you're getting this. I want to know whether, again, I'm going to ask Paula the same question. The way in which you come to, you know, each of you that are listening, the way in which you like to learn and, and, and understand things, be the part of which you digest information, is that then the same as the way in which you decide to then teach and share it? So that's one of the things I want to ask you guys, and please post in your comments. So if you're someone that likes to read, you then write for others. Um, and, and similar, same question to you, Paula, really, is that are the, the methods in which you've chosen to deliver your message, are they also, either coincidence or otherwise, are they the ways in which you also like to learn? Um, I think I'm just very aware that there's, you know, the, the kinesthetic, visual and auditory learning. And so yeah. what I try to do when I'm even when I'm doing, um, a, you know, a kind of a, a workshop, I make sure that there's PowerPoint presentation up. I'm also explaining everything. And then we do. Um, and I think that many people work um, learn in different ways. I learn better if I read it, if I'm honest. Uh, it just it certainly tends to absorb better. But I really enjoy watching discussions. And when it goes back to, you know, the way the, the last two therapy lives that have happened, the therapy live and the therapy live sport, the thing that I, I think I really enjoyed about therapy live sport was the number of discussion panels. Mm. And they're the ones, without doubt, I've gone back and watched straight away. Um, the ones that are offering a presentation, I've kind of, I don't know why I've done it, but I've kind of left them. And I think it's because they're very opinion uh, that people are very good some of them are very very good at sharing um sharing an opinion and kind of like just sharing information but if they're if it's very opinion based it's quite difficult to um I don't know hold my attention it's really bad to say but I have the same problem going to conferences I often go to a conference and I'm just I walk away and I go what I didn't really need to be there. It's really bad, I know, but it's true. Um, and I just think, what did I learn from that? And I quite often walk away and just think, what did I learn from that? Did I learn anything new? Has it cemented any of my knowledge? And unfortunately, in many aspects, I walk away going, that just wasn't worth my time. Um, and 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 what I, I guess, the thing about being um, online, so I thought I read, I thought when I when I learn stuff, I read stuff. But what I have also learned is that when it's a panel discussion, I learn stuff because I like the toing and froing of a conversation between people that are saying, well, I do it this way. Well, I do it that way. Well, I do it this way. What do you, what do you think about this? And it just goes into my head. Whereas when I'm watching a presentation or and again, live, whether it's on screen or not, I just kind of drift off and I start looking at my phone and I think oh, it's a bit long That's and correct. then I pause it and I walk away. And it's it's just interesting. But I didn't know that about myself until this kind of lockdown, till the lockdown period. Well, so, we've, had a, we've had an opportunity for us all to sort of learn. Um, there's been such a lot of information that we've kind of been able to pick and choose more, true. haven't we? And I think it's sort of taught us all a little bit more about ourselves in that way. We've had some
I'm hoping there's not a question in there because I can't hear you. <laughs> You've just frozen. So now the challenge, challenging thing, okay, you've gone. So the challenging thing is, do I carry on talking or am I talking at the same time as you? So, no. ah, you're back. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Am I back and it's moved us sides here on my it screen. Has, it has moved us, swapped us sides. Oh, okay, fine. Well, we'll carry on. I'm sorry about this. I don't know what's going on with it. Maybe it's my internet. Um, but I was saying we're going to vary the content a little bit and also that we've got feedback that cuts in all different directions and so the variety needs to be the spice of life. Uh, for those that haven't heard, we're going to do a pelvic health show in March, but also Brilliant. then we're going to do a 10 stream, 10 stream big conference in June, of which is going to have a, a really interesting, uh, some set of interesting features that will innovate again. We don't want to rest on our, our laurels. Uh, Rob Tyre has said, uh, Jack's gone. Keep talking, Paula. I love oh, that. Okay, I'll know next time. <laughs> which is, um, which is you know, probably everyone's celebrating in the comments section. I can see that. that well, I, we'll I, know next time. Um, <laughs> I've got quite strong. I've got quite strong internet. So if you go again, I'm just going to chat. Uh, well, I'm sorry about <laughs> this. Yeah. Right. So my, my next question there is, it, when you, what do you think is your take on, you know, you've been across many different CPD platforms as well as then um opportunities that knock for you to share your message as well as to learn with therapy live at the heart of it it's, it's just a digital version of 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 something that's come before but at a scale that's been un, unheard of um and so what's been your experience as a speaker across both events and how do you feel do you think that we will end up with a bit of a return to an old normal or do you think that the game has changed I think the um, maybe the game has changed in regards to massive conferences, maybe more um, close knit, more, um, you know, networking opportunities of a smaller group, um, but maybe like a hybrid model. I think that I've enjoyed the two therapy lives were um, very different for me because the first one I gave a presentation on a subject that was kind of given to me and I was just like, ah, um, <laughs> really hard to defend taping. Um, but, you know, if you use it, which I do, it's, but it's still really hard to defend. It, it's right. simple as that. The second, uh, the therapy lives, and it was quite stressful to kind of pull that thing together and try to put as much information behind it without sell sounding like I was selling a product, which I actually have no ties to um <laughs> yeah. and i felt like you know how do i do this without kind of selling this because like i said it's got nothing to do with me really um and then with therapy live sport i enjoyed the panel it was less pressure um it was more enjoy more natural um and right. more i think there was more information that came out of it by having people dis uh, different people that you know don't know each other that well discussing a topic um <clears throat> that they do know well so that they came at it from different angles and i enjoyed that yeah when you're presenting at those things because it, it's something that my context is so different to everyone else's so technically i'm speaking to a camera and i should be able to sort of answer this myself but i think it's different but when you are presenting at those shows and i know that i know the data you know i know that there was over a Okay, he's gone again, so I'm just going to talk. Have I gone? Uh, oh, there you are. You're back again. So oh, when I'm when, it's okay. So when 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 these gone, you you were saying when you're presenting at these shows, I need to finally make my questions need to get shorter, don't they? Let's make. <laughs> let's be honest. So I can't really. I think my context is different. When you're presenting, 
do you feel the weight of the audience like you would if you were presenting into, into a room? Like I know the data, 1,200 to 2,000 people at each of the sessions that you were speaking at. If it was in a room full of those people, you'd feel that. I personally would feel that if I was speaking. Do you get that sense of, of volume? Um, yeah, it's not dissimilar. I think that when I was presenting the first one at Therapy Live and I had a presentation to give, so therefore I had to make sure that I had the information in there, etc. I definitely felt the pressure. I felt I knew the numbers that would could be potentially watching. Um, and I did feel that. And when I present live, I do yip just before a presentation. I get really nervous. Uh -huh. And once I start getting going, I'm fine. But to start with, I'm really nervous. Um, uh, but when it comes to any, even if I'm on a panel and it's completely live and there's loads of people there, I'm fine. I don't get nervous and not worried at all. But when it's me, myself and I, no matter how I've done it, I found that I found both 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 sessions, you know, quite significantly uh, unnerving because I knew the numbers that were there and I knew that that could be watching. And when I when you present and you're you're presenting to a packed, um, you know, audience. And they keep filling in and they keep filling in and they keep filling in. It's just yeah. like, ah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> once I get going, I'm fine, you cool. know, and it, it's, yeah. No, that's good. I, I, one of the things that I used to do, you know, I, I think my background, I could even argue, I always preferred to express myself in written form. And then podcasting was an innovation relative to blogging at the time, which is why I went into it. And then now um, I'm very, you know, very little writing. It's actually novel if I do these days. But you're, Books are certainly clearly central to your synthesizing of information and educating yourself and then deciding to share it. One of the things I wanted to ask is, do you feel that the, the, the time it will naturally... Uh-oh. Okay, I'm going to just talk again because you've gone again. Okay, so I think you're talking about the fact that, um, I, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm, I guess I'm going to talk about the fact that when I do write, um, I, I spend an awful lot of time trying to find, um, I know what I'm going to talk about. It's really hard. You've got a load of planning in behind it. What, what I would say, I kind of briefly chatted to Jack about it. So, Jack, you're back, but I didn't hear the question, so I've just started talking. So what I briefly spoke is it worth Is it worth the time it takes? Yeah. Is Ah, right. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. So is oh. it worth the time it takes? Because in many ways, if you look at it as a project of your learning and reflection and gathering information and trying to collate your thoughts, absolutely worth it. If you're doing it for the money, it's definitely not worth it. Um, and I think there's definitely a process to go through. So I've written two um, actual um, printed books and one Kindle. So I've learned things from both of them. And I've found that um, the challenges, uh, so it's much easier to write a second book and then a third book much easier because you've got the kind of format that you want. Um, and you can kind of almost copy that if you like. Right. Um, when, when you're writing um, a printed book for a, um, for a publisher, it's very, it's it's time consuming if the editor isn't very good there's backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards i even had a situation where um uh, one of the editors just moved the picture uh, pictures onto another page because it looked better I'm like 
you can't just do that. So it's very frustrating when your work's not necessarily reciprocated or looked at in the way you're trying to. So, but you you learn from that. But the time it takes to origin, uh, you know, start off with the planning, and I'm sure it's the same with a novel. To start off with the planning, to kind of lay down what you want, to try and have a flow to it is very. Uh, it is quite hard. It takes a long time. And even my tiny little Achilles book my sister-in-law went through it three or four times basically ripped it apart and said I don't know what you're trying to say here because it was too <laughs> medical and I, I kind of forget the words that how to say it to normal people in some when I'm writing not if you're in front of me I find it really easy bizarrely when I'm writing I can't yeah. seem to write it down in a normal way so she's like no why are you telling me that I don't need to know that this is in the wrong place so she was brilliant in putting it together and then it was very easy to read but yeah it's not worth the money at all <laughs> so yeah. um so if you're gonna do it you need to do it as a almost a labor of love and the way i look at it if it's i'm gonna write now i'm gonna look at it and think i'm not i'm not bothered if i don't make any money from it at all um and and that's made it much more satisfying i guess in my my way i've earned money don't get me wrong but it's not it's not been worth the time i've put into it sure yeah if you were to think about what your hourly rate could be on any of these things then that's going to be very low isn't it I, i've heard that from several authors um in terms of what, what, what's relevant there is that certainly the audience because you you seem to write and also like to present for translation in a sense you know you're always wanting to 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 reach those that are otherwise struggling with with injury but also whenever you speak and write for professionals or present for professionals it always seems to be your instinct is application is yes. that something you have to be is that is that in your nature or is it something yes. you have to yeah it's you, in my nature yeah you don't, it's get not like... in, you don't get sucked into the research and empiricism no right no uh, you know the thing is and this is probably going to be a contentious issue but the, the fact is you can't prove everything. And my phrase is always to say, where's the double blind controlled trial for parachutes? Um, you know, the fact is that sometimes things just work and you, you get results or you get performance results or you get a person that feels better, whatever, whatever that is and whatever that is doing. And you're able to provide a service because we are service providers. If we're able to provide a service to somebody who feels like they've been listened to, and quite often that's enough, you know, because quite often they'll be they'll say you're the first person to ever listen to what I'm trying to say, which is why I harp on about that all the time. Just listen, 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 get as much information from that person, because many times they're kind of rushed out of a room and they don't get ch chance to actually discuss what their issues are. So you can start to peel back many things and find out what's going on in their life. And that's natural to me as just as a person. So I, I'm, I never kind of, I don't go in, into situations as a therapist. So when it comes to teaching, I also have to think about how, how, how would I want to receive this information? Right. Um, and it just, it just comes naturally. I don't, I don't plan it, I don't think it. I guess the things that I haven't done right are, you know, I've written a couple of books but I haven't done anything to promote them because that is a real, um, that's a really hard thing for me to do. I find it very difficult, very uncomfortable. And so I probably should do little video clips and I probably should do little one minute things of this. And I probably should do this and kind of point them back to, but I can't do it. I find it really hard. And well, I'm one next thing- time, next time you deliver, next time your next book out, you do a tune it over episode and you clip that to bits, don't you? Yeah. That's how we can help you, can't we? Well, I want to just just check in on something there where, you know, when, when sometimes things just work and we don't always know why and stuff. How do you stop that being justification for any old bullshit? Say that again. 
So when things sometimes just work and you say it's yes. difficult to prove everything, how do we stop that logic being a justification for some properly out there mad shit that, that we wouldn't want in clinical and medical practice? Great question. Where are the lines? You can't, I think you can justify things in your head, but maybe just not say them out loud. You can't tell a person, right? You, can, you can't tell a person to think if you can't back that up because you're just another person adding to the, the diatribe of a previous therapist who told them this, that, the other thing. And I, I've said to this, this to you before, I have, and I, I'm really bad because I, I wear my personality on my sleeve and exactly what I think is written on my face. So I can't get away with lying at all. But somebody will come in and say, oh, I saw this person and they said that there's this wrong with me and they had to put that back in or this is that, that, whatever. And I just, I'm sure my eyes just roll in the back of my head and I just have a bit of a kind of a, and I just, they go, what? And I'm like, oh no, it was on my face again. And then I have to kind of explain why I've just done that, which is, it is quite difficult. Um, and I just say, you know, sometimes people use terminology that make you feel like you're broken or you're not quite right or you're not safe or your structure isn't safe and it's not fair for them to do that because now you're coming to me and telling me what's wrong with you because somebody else has told you that when actually what we've just found is this 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 and you're completely safe we just need to get you a little bit stronger etc so sometimes there are things I especially used to think about this in the past where I would do an awful lot of manual therapy get a fantastic result and sit there and go well how did that happen what was that about why did that work and I couldn't, I couldn't even explain it in my own head, never mind to somebody, somebody else. And I think when it comes to certainly working in a sports arena where there's a lot, I still do a lot of manual therapy. Um, and I, you know, I purposely select and it could be just a tiny little thing. It could be a longer session. Um, and certainly in sport, it was kind of almost an expectation. Um, and so as, as years went on and you kind of finally tune things and you're able to do what we call trackside jiggery pokery that can make enable that person to finish a session but may not hold but it may just hold for that period of time yeah. in your head you then begin to justify the fact that that is um that's a um an achieve um it's a it's a it's a decision you've made because it worked time and time and time before but can you put or think put your finger on why not always and then, yeah, and the justification being as long as you don't then try to attempt a, uh, a, non, a very difficult to justify explanation of mechanism to the athlete. You just you didn't see. No. But also this trackside thing, because the elite sport, elite sport environment is, is relevant to the modalities used or, or the mechanisms are, are, are less relevant than the, the effects in terms of performance yeah. outcomes. But then also this trackside thing me and you have spoken about, and that's definitely for another show because I know, I know we're out of time. Um, I might drag you back on, especially when my internet's a bit more stable. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by that in that if I think that is sort of if you if you can stop short of um, inferring mechanisms that aren't feasible, because that's one of the things is that sometimes things just work, says energy medicine specialist and crystal healer. You know, it's like we need <laughs> right, to make sure right. that we don't. How do we not end up uh, giving them cover? You know, you just can't say it out loud if you don't have a justification for it just don't say it you know just use the terminology because sometimes there isn't an answer and i remember a very a very good conversation with a, a an excellent sports doctor who you know basically said you know paula i can't even i can't even um prove that the stuff i i do works 
So you, you're trying to find too many proofs here. And I'm like, but am I? You know what I mean? And so striving for, striving for it's good. I, I, I don't want ever, anyone to ever change too much where they're no. craving, craving the answers. But like you say, whilst they're not there, whilst they're not appropriately formed, then sometimes it's not smart, smart to share them with athletes. I think that's a really interesting point and definitely one for us to unpack another time. Um, and um, so I know we're, we're out of time really here. And I just want to, whilst I have my signals working, I think we might, might wrap up. Um, I've just, you know, let's just have a little cluster of comments to finish, which is, um, oh, sorry. Keep talking, Paula. You're much more interesting. Paula is a legend. That's uh, three things from Rob Tyre and Nick Worth uh, that, that we've got then in the comments section. Thanks so, so much for those that have persisted despite some technical issues. My end, apologies for that. And Paula, tell people a little bit about where they can find out more about you. And also, this is the time to plug your books. <gasps> Okay, so I've got a couple of books out. I've got one on SIJ and piriformis syndrome, Amazon. Um, I've got one on how to treat your own Achilles, which hopefully can, um, you know, give some people some direction. And it's, it, you know, it is covered by the research. And then I've got um, an ebook that's also much more sort of for the therapist, um, which is um, Achilles, t uh, I can't, Achilles heel, I think it's called. Heel, you called it. yeah. Achilles heel, whoops. <laughs> that's right, to that decision, But yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. I love the cover of that. I love the artwork as well. The yeah, that was actually a painting that was done by a local artist here. I asked her to come up with that and it's brilliant yeah, yeah i love it yeah, um yeah. and then just twitter and instagram but i'm again i'm not probably active enough on there i'm not very good at stuff like that but i wish i was but i'm not so no, we'll, we'll speak again about this and many other topics no doubt and uh, apologies again for any technical issues with the, with the signal but it's been fascinating to hear a little bit more about authorship and, and, and how you've been feeling about both learning and sharing resources and thank you for all that you do uh, you really do uh, manage to get that out there without seeming to spread yourself too thin, which is very impressive and, and very charitable of yourself. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Okay, so hopefully with the click of a button. Oh, yeah, tomorrow we've got Joe Turner on doing Wellbeing Wednesday because it's the first of the month. And then hopefully, I haven't checked with him yet, but hopefully we get OBSN on on Friday. We'll do another Finance Friday because that was very popular. So get your questions in if you have anything for Joe Turner and OBSN for Wellbeing Wednesday self-care for therapists in these complex times as well as any financial questions you might have for Obi Hassan on Friday. But otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow and we'll tune it over. Take care. Cheers, Paula. Bye.